Hello and welcome back to another episode of Africa Careful. In today's episode, we will be continuing the discussion with Dr. Abby on mental health stigma in the African community. Yeah. So, I mean, in essence, it's also that in a way we should find means to also develop and, you know, maybe bring up our people, others that are back home, so that that way, um, you know, we're not taking the burden of the entire village and community on us. That way we're also thinking about our own mental health. Because I think that I wish when I showed up in America, even as a foreign student, on the day of orientation, however many days we spent, someone was there that talked to us about mental health issues because there really wasn't. It was just that you guys say you had to go to school, um, you're international students, don't go out of status, all of this, all of this stuff, and all whatnot. And forgetting that we come with, I mean, I don't know, we come with all this cultural stuff and heritage with us, and sometimes those things weigh us a lot more down, and no one was willing to even be like, hey, you know, these are some ways, these are some ideas. Now, it's taken so many years for one to you know, get an education and try to figure some of these things out on themselves and all of that. So, I mean, I just hope that, you know, people are able to listen to some of these and be able to, you know, find means because one day we just don't want someone to just drop dead and then everybody's like, oh, you know, what happened? This guy was so good. You know, he was always here, you know, he, and all of that. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. And I think one mistake that we also make is, we don't open up about the struggles that we're experiencing. So now you suffer in silence and nobody ever knows what you've been going through. Yes, it's good for someone to ask. But the other thing is that when they ask, do you really tell them the truth? Like, you know what? I'm actually not doing well. Yeah. These are the things that I'm having to deal with, you know, coming from this country, coming from the kind of family I come from. Like, do we really like open up about what we are struggling with or do we internalize it and then it eats us alive? Okay, so this is interesting. You brought up this issue of open up. And as Africans, we, we are scared of opening up because we do not we, we we fear that someone may see our year as success and sabotage us, right? And so we end up internalizing stuff. We don't we don't share anything about ourselves because we don't want them to judge us based on our, our situation or our circumstances. So how do we and maybe we can contrast this with to what point do you recognize that maybe opening up to a friend and maybe going to see a counselor or someone who is professional who has been trained and all of that? You know, so how do we balance those between? Because the one thing, and this is something I also struggle with, uh, even as uh, as you know, as a scientist, is that I struggle with certain burdens of my work to open them up to someone who is not qualified to be able to handle that. Because then what I don't want is that I don't want to transfer my stress and let it become theirs. So there's always that tension that, sure, I, I wish I could talk to someone about this, but at the same time, this is something that they're not going to understand. They might not really get the full context because they, they don't have maybe the training that I have spent all this number of years to try to get. And so now it becomes an even bigger burden for them because they're trying to find a solution. So how do we balance that between... I guess, peer coaching or peer counseling with, you know, opening up to someone who has been trained to handle those kind of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a very good question because you're right. You don't want to burden people who are not qualified 
you know, to, 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 you know, sit with that information and help you through it. Yeah. You know, however, I do think um, community and connection is very important. I think those safe outlets are good. So you maybe you can start with finding out like, I don't know, would you have friends who are in the same profession as you, even if it's one friend, Mm -hmm. someone who you feel like you can connect with and sort of nurture a connection with them such that this is someone who, when you want to vent to about like issues related to your profession, like they get it, you know, they are probably going through the same things and Mm -hmm. they don't see it as a burden. If anything, they feel so validated and they can share with you about their stuff and you have that connection. And now you have someone you can open to about that. So I think starting there can be helpful because this is someone who I feel like, you are most likely to feel more safe and comfortable with that person because you kind of know them, mm-hmm. you know, versus going to talk to a complete stranger at first. Yeah. You know, but if you don't have that person, I think at, that is the time when you want to consider other things like therapy is one thing you can consider. Yes, it's going to feel uncomfortable going to meet uh, your therapist and like talking to them about what you're going through and they don't know who, who you are, you're complete strangers. Mm-hmm. But just like any relationship that you've formed, any friendship you've formed, they were once strangers mm-hmm. and you built a connection with them over time. So that's how you want to look at your therapist too. At first they're strangers, but you build a connection with them and they become someone very close to you. So that's another thing to consider. If you have a fear of, um, you know, opening up to a, a therapist who you see as a stranger realize that over time you'll build a connection with them but it's not going to be comfortable at first obviously yeah another thing is um i think also i i was just thinking about how like um you know in the countries where we come from um a lot of people don't really understand like what life is like in the united states Mm -hmm. um the challenges that most of us go through here in the united states you know, because of all the opportunities that we have here, a lot of times that's what they see. So they also assume that life can't be that hard, Mm -hmm. you know, compared to life here, it can't be that hard. But I think another thing that people can start doing is also once in a while, just, you know, when you're talking about how you're doing, when you're catching up with people back home to say, you know, this is, and this is going well, but, you know, I've been struggling with this thing, you know, these are some of the challenges I've been having, you know, in the U.S., this and this is, you know, something that happens and so it can make life challenging. So just kind of infuse it in the conversation so that they start to understand, you know, how life is really like in the United States. So you're not like telling them I'm not going to help you or, you know, you're not trying to tell them anything bad necessarily. You're just trying to let them make them understand more what the reality of life is in the United States. It's not just, you know, um, what is it called? Rainbows here in yeah. the U.S., you know, but they won't know that if you're not real with them about some of the experiences you you have. Okay. Sometimes, okay, let's talk about this a little bit. And, and this can mm-hmm. be difficult, right? Because mm-hmm. folks watch Hollywood. I think Hollywood has painted you know, a rosy picture about what life in America is. And many times when you even want to reach out to tell your friends back home that, well, there's nothing wrong about coming to America, but I, I think you should really think long and hard if that's what you want. And you know, the response you're going to get is, well, you are there. Why don't you come back here? Okay, let's trade places and, and all of that. And to an extent, they're right, right? You can't, maybe they'll seem like this person doesn't want to help me or anything like that. How do you, um, you know, maybe navigate such a situation where they are seeing something else that is portrayed to them by popular media, 
but they are not here in the everyday today to see the circumstances of what life really is. And even though I don't think it's, it's that they don't trust you. I just think it's that they're trying to process in their head, how can I be seeing this in, on the TV? I see this on Facebook. And then you're telling me a different story. That is a, a, a big challenge because if they've never lived here, mm-hmm. they're never going to know what it's really like to be here. And even when you explain to them, there's only so much they can understand. It's only until they come here that they realize, oh, okay, this is how life is really like. Yeah. So I think also you acknowledging that is important, that as much as you might tell them, they're never going to fully understand until they come here. So what you can do is you can help them like by informing them about the pros and cons mm-hmm. of living in the United States and also the pros and cons of living where they're at. Because I think everywhere you go, there's always pros and cons. Mm-hmm. So helping them understand both and asking them, okay, knowing the pros and cons of staying where you are versus coming here, like, what do you think? So at least if they make the decision to come here, they're making an informed decision because they are aware of the pros and cons. And even though they don't fully understand the cons of living here, at least they know. So when they come here, they will, um, it's not like they're coming blind. Yeah. You know, maybe they'll see something or they'll experience something and they'll be like, Oh, Lucian had told me about this. It's just that I didn't know, like, this is how it's going to feel or this Mm -hmm. is how it's going to be like, you know, but I think you definitely don't want to tell people not to come here. So long as you inform them about the realities of life Mm -hmm. here, whether they believe it or not, at least you've done your part by informing them. Yeah. Once you inform them, just let people make their own decision. That's true. That's the best Mm -hmm. we can do. Yeah, it's the best you can do. You can take a horse to the stream, but you cannot force it to drink water. So um, mm-hmm. I'm happy you said that. Um, mm-hmm. Now let's maybe switch gears a little bit. You you studied, sure. I mean, African men. Just tell us a little bit about that because I want to go into this um, aspect of how men, African men, and particularly women, are being trained or groomed as they are coming up as children to respond to things. You know, just tell us a little bit about men and maybe we can talk more about, you know, some of these aspects of our culture and maybe why it is not good for our mental health or what are some things that we can do to be able to improve on that. Yeah, it's a great question. And I want to backtrack a little bit to give some context. So my dissertation focused on uh, Black African immigrant men, and I was looking mm-hmm. specifically at um, first generation and um also their just their psycho uh, psychosocial adjustment mm-hmm. experiences when they come to the US. And you know, it was very interesting because I was trying to think, you know, who do I focus on? Do I focus on children? Do I focus on men? Do I focus on women? Um, but then I was like, you know what? I want to focus on men just because I feel like their perspective really hasn't been been represented anywhere that I could see. And one of the things I would see in my community is African men, I mean, African women and children struggle a lot too, Mm -hmm. but I could see African men really struggle. Suicide rates are high. You know, alcoholism is a big issue. There's also domestic violence and the perpetrators are mostly men. You know, so there are all these things I was seeing and hearing and I'm like, well, maybe I should focus on what's going on for men. So it's not that I was trained to focus on on men or African men specifically. It's just that I was looking at what was happening and I was like, I want to focus my dissertation on that so that I could better understand what is going on for for the men, you know, in our community. Mm -hmm. 
So that's how that came about. So I wanted to just give a little bit of context. Yeah. And it's it's interesting some of the things that I learned, and I think you're speaking to um to some of this. You know, toxic masculinity is real, mm-hmm. and especially in the African context, you know, the man is seen as the head of the family, is the provider. The man has to be the one to hold it down. It's a lot of pressure, you know, and so the man is having to carry a lot. And they also don't have any room to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. You know, if they can't provide for the family, they can't really say that because if they say that they are looked at as a failure or less of a man, which is very dehumanizing for most men, mm-hmm. you know, so they don't want to be seen as not capable. They don't want to be seen as um, a failure just because they're struggling. Mm-hmm. They can't cry, you know, so they always have to be tough. You know, they always have to keep going, keep pushing, you know, keep showing that they are okay. And that's a lot of weight, a lot of burden to carry. Mm-hmm. And so now you find them because they're internalizing these struggles, they, they, they are, um, their way of coping is things like alcohol. Yeah. You know, it's things like sleeping with different, lots of different women. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things that people say, oh, men will always be men. But if you really dig deep, for some men, that's actually a way that they're coping with struggles that they can't really vocalize. You know, because they're not allowed to vocalize them based on the messages they've gotten growing up. Yeah. You know, which is why I feel like for men, it is really good if there can be... um a community of men just coming together, friends coming together and like really supporting each other and talking about the issues that they have. Because maybe if they talk to women, they might not get the validation or the understanding <laughs> that um, that they are hoping for. But maybe if they come together with other men, because other men might understand, yeah. then that could that could really be a good support for them. You know, and it could be an outlet that's better than some of these other things that can destroy them, like alcoholism using addiction to drugs, mm-hmm. addiction to, um, you know, different things like porn, you know, sleeping with different women and things like that. Like that doesn't fix the underlying issue. That's just masking. Yeah. But yeah. what you're saying is it's a cultural thing. I mean, because mm-hmm. it's a thing that is not just in West Africa, it's practically yeah. all over Africa. And how do we go about doing this? Because if I call, for example, my uncle or you know my cousin and i want to try to tell them about some of this stuff or my grandma maybe they might tell me hey guess what this thing has worked for hundreds of years in the past now you think you've gone to america you've had an education and now you're trying to bring the white man's you know culture to us now that's not gonna work i mean how do you manage that because there's also a lot of pushback from the community itself to you know, against this toxic masculinity. And, 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 you know, and really, I don't know, some men find this great that, oh, you know, maybe it's their ego, you know, knowing that, you know, they have been reverent as they walk into any compound or walk into their home. Society does that for them. Maybe some also might feel threatened that, yo, you know, I don't want to have these privileges taken away from me, all the rights and you know, privileges that I enjoy as being this, you know, huge, I, I don't know, this provider in the in, in the society, in my house, and, and all one not is going to be taken. So how do we really, you know, and we'll go back home, it is that, nope, you guys are bringing in this white man's ideology. And again, you know, back to what we've said before, 
all of this trauma comes in from the colonial masters that showed up on the shores. And it's just that whatever, you know, those folks want to bring to us, we are not interested. Yes. Yes, I hear you. And the thing is, as much as you try to convince different people to see things a different way, if they don't want to see it that way or a certain way of thinking or doing things has worked for them, you can only do so much to change the way they're thinking and behaving. And so I think it's just, you don't want to invest in that because it's not really going to help you. I think the best thing to do is to actually connect with people who have the same perspective as you, people from your community who do. And together you can work to see, okay, can you identify other people who share the same perspective or who are open to doing things differently? And then you can start changing things in that way. Yeah. I think it's easier when you start with people who are already on board or people who are open, you know, such that when you talk to them a little bit more, they are on board and you can start making changes that way. I think another thing is starting from yourself. You know, so thinking about you and, you know, asking yourself, what type of husband would I like to be in my family? Like, what kind of parent would I like to be? You know, so then thinking about, okay, these are the things that haven't worked for me growing up. These are the things that haven't worked in my community. Mm -hmm. I want to do things differently in my family. And these are the ways I'm going to do that. And the hope is by doing that, other people in the community will look at you and how you are as a husband, how you are as a, a parent. And they'll learn from that and they're like, you know, this is actually really like the way Lucien, you know, does things in his family. And maybe we should do it that way because it's working. It's even working better than what I've seen. So sometimes it's even what you do. People look and, and are inspired by that and they're like, maybe I should try this too. Yeah. So doing, doing that for yourself and your family, but at the same time also um, connecting with people in the community who um, share in the same perspective or are open to actually listening to what you have to say and doing something together with them. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I hope that, you know, that can be feasible, but one thing that I, you know, I'm thinking here is how can we avoid maybe just creating more of like an old boys club, you know, you get yeah. by just associating with just folks you know, like-minded like you. Yeah, I understand why, but how can we maybe in that association avoid us becoming, you know, just an old, you know, gentleman's club or, you know, yeah. that you need mm -hmm. to have a certain pedigree to belong to and people now just alienate yeah. us because of that. Yes, definitely. I think that's a great question. My thinking is you want to start with the people who share in the same perspective or are open. But then my hope is that by having that, that support system, mm -hmm. then now you can start enacting the change that you want by talking to other people, other, other boys, other men who um, don't share in the same perspective. But you can at least, the, the, the team that you have mm -hmm. can work together to like figure out what, what, what can we do, what activities, what initiatives can we do so that we can educate um, you know, these boys who are growing up in this society where they're getting messages that promote toxic masculinity. So I'm not saying that you, um, you know, connect with other people who share in the same perspective so that you just stay there. No, I'm actually saying do that so that you can have your support system. You can put your brains together to figure out how can you help the community? How can you help these boys and these men who are out there? Like, can you create like a support group of some kind where all of you are having these conversations, whether you agree with each other or not. You're mm -hmm. just having these conversations. 
So I always feel like it's better when you, if you do that on your own, if you try to do that on your own, it's much harder. Yeah. But if you do it with even a t- uh, like two or three people who share in the same perspective, coming and bringing your, your heads together and like now going to the community to do something that can actually make a big difference. Uh-huh. As a student, especially an African student who comes here in America, one thing that you go through is really an identity crisis of your own because you come from a place and then now you're a minority here and then there are all these things you're trying to adapt yourself to. And so what happens many times is the African student or maybe just another you know, another foreign student faces this aspect where, you know, maybe it's a church thing. Maybe they're going back, they're going to church back home because their parents were forcing them to. Now they're here in America. There's no mommy to wake me up in the morning, no dad to tell me to get ready. So they stop going to church. Or it is that they have this critical evaluation and then they find out that this is not my thing. But then they have no way or no idea about how to communicate that to their family. And so then what is supposed to be um, something that is, you know, cheerful, what's supposed to be something that is joyful now becomes this huge mental health stress about how do I reconcile not being ostracized from my family, not being considered an outcast and, you know, what maybe will give me inner peace or what will, you know, make me focus my energy on other things. And so you, 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 the student ends up living this double life, this double standard where if I go back home, I'll do whatever they have to do for me to do so that I fit in. But when I leave there, I come back here and I do me. So how can, you know, the African really, you know, reconcile all of these and, because these things, the more we're piling one stress after another, they, I mean, there's stress of school, there's life, then you start putting all this other stuff. Then you realize that, you know, your life just becomes this, you know, this, I guess, baggage of a lot of stress and mental health stuff pulling you on all, you know, all angles. And then one day that's it. You just, you know, we, we find out that this person has just, you know, had an outburst and they've just broken down and everyone is like, how did that happen? So how can one really navigate all of this where the family stuff, there's community and there's all these personal dynamics that are all not in sync with one another? Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a very good question. You know, and I think even as you are sharing all these different things, it feels like a lot, you know, and yeah. I think the best thing, and let's say like it was my client who's coming in with all these different issues that they're dealing with. A lot of times the best thing to do is because you can't tackle all of them at the same time, it'll overwhelm you Mm -hmm. is to tackle one at a time. Yeah. You know, the best thing you can do is to do that than to actually avoid all of them altogether, Mm -hmm. which is what a lot of people do. And the thing is, by avoiding, it doesn't necessarily fix the issue. But the best thing you can do for yourself is to ask yourself, okay, what is one thing that I feel like I'm willing to tackle right now? I know I have all these things that are stressing me out, but which is the one that is the most pressing and I need to tackle that. Mm -hmm. So tackle one thing at a time. And if you need help tackling those things, identify someone who you feel like can help you with that particular thing that you're trying to tackle. If it's a friend that you know who, you know, could be good at something, you know, whatever issue you're going through, talking it out. Then you you talk to that person. If it's journaling, that's another thing I was going to mention. If you feel, don't feel comfortable talking to anyone else, journaling is always an option. You can mm-hmm. journal your thoughts. That usually helps bring clarity and peace. And an out, it's an outlet as well. People write or they will um, 
you know, they will sing or they will even do an audio journal. You know, there's so many ways you can do that. You know, so ask yourself, how can you tackle these things one at a time? And who can you identify around you who can help you tackle these different things? Mm -hmm. If you don't have anyone and you're open to therapy, I think it's it's definitely worth a try. If you really, really need someone to help you tackle these different things one at a time. Yeah. You know, um, what else was I thinking? I think another thing that I, I wanted to to suggest is, you know, even when things are not going well in your life, there are all these different things that are falling apart. You know, I think self-care is something that is so important for uh, people to keep in mind. And this is something that I see people neglect, especially during times when they're stressed or they're, you know, pulled in so many different directions. Never forget to uh, practice self-care. You know, ask yourself, what are these things that used to make me happy? What are these activities that I used to do to make me happy? You know, even if it's just waking up in the morning and opening the blinds so that the light can come in and you could just feel like, oh, it's a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's, that's something that could be a part of your self-care, small things like that, just to realize even when everything is falling apart, at least today is a good day. You can yeah. appreciate that and that can make you smile. Maybe there are things that you um, enjoy doing, like um, exercising. And exercising that does actually help with your mental health a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, so exercising is something you can incorporate in, uh, into your week. Maybe you like cooking. So cooking, you know, so even when things are not going well, there's still things you're doing that help you take care of yourself during those moments so that you can at least keep going. Yeah. So I really want to emphasize that, that, you know, for anyone who is listening, who is, you know, there are things falling apart in their lives to recognize that there are some things in your life that you have some control over. You just need to ask yourself, okay, what are some of the things I have control over right now? There are all these things I don't have control over, but what are some of the things I do, you know, and how can I capitalize on those things? You know, and a lot of times those things are the things that make you happy, Mm -hmm. you know, the cooking, the, you know. Um, hobbies, you know, things like that. Talking to a friend who makes you laugh, Mm -hmm. you know, watching a show that makes you laugh or makes you feel happy. You know, those are things you have control over and they can make a ton of difference as you're uh, tackling these different things you're struggling with. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you've, you've shared a lot of, you know, resources, things that we can do. Just maybe one last, uh, a plug or I mean, are there any other sort of resource that people can go after to be able to try to like help them um, with some of their own mental health struggles? Um, and maybe even how should one go about finding a mental health person? You know, because I know once when we're in school, it's easy, right? I just go to the counseling and psychological services, but I'm no longer in school. Like how, and I'm working, maybe my job does not have this wellness a group and they don't point me to risk. How do we even go to find a professional to be able to, you know, talk to? Okay. So you can go to psychologytoday.com. So psychologytoday.com, it has, um, it's a website where all psychologists all over the country um, have posted their private practice information. Mm -hmm. So, you know, depending on where you're at, you could just put your zip code or the city and state where you're at. Mm -hmm. Then, uh, there's an option for different filters, you know, depending on if you have some certain preferences, right? So maybe you want to work with, want to work with a therapist who, um, you know, works with black clients. You can select that. Maybe you want to work with a woman. You can select that. 
your insurance information. There's a certain insurance that you have and you want to know if there's, there's a therapist who can take that. You select that. So you select all these filters and you should be able to get a list of different providers who are in your area and who fit the preferences that you have. Mm -hmm. So that's one way you can go about that. The other way you can go about that is even if you're not um, currently in school, you could just go to the school website, you know, the school website where you went to school, go to the uh, webpage of uh, the counseling center as at your former school. And usually um, on their page, they should have a section on like, how to get referrals in the community mm -hmm. and things like that. And when you click on that, you should be able to see different websites that you can go to. And those are good because they list local referrals. So if you're in a certain state, like that's where you want to, you know, it, it just helps to get the local referrals when mm -hmm. you go there. Another thing is these counseling centers, even though you're not, um, you know, uh, you're not in school, you can also give them a call and say, hey, you know, I'm no longer a student there, but, you know, I'm trying to find... Um, referrals in the community, you know, just so that I can start seeing a therapist. And I'm having trouble with that. Can you help me with this process? And usually they can, mm -hmm. you know. So I think for anyone, depending on what state you're at, uh, Psychology Today is one, pl one place you can go. The other place is just go to the counseling center um, uh, at your university, current university or former university and look on their website to see if they have um, certain resources listed on their website, you can also give them a call to ask and they'll give you local referrals. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank yeah, you Yeah, so yeah. that's usually a good place to start. Um, yeah, those are some of the things that come to mind right now. Okay. So um, any uh, final thoughts, you know, on, on maybe folks who are, you know, on the fence, hesitating, thinking about, you know, and also maybe final thoughts to our African audience, African community about, you know, why taking care of their mental health is important and why maybe they should consider seeing someone who is trained or professional to be able to, to help them navigate some of this stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know, if your mental health is suffering, honestly, a lot of things in your life will suffer. Mm -hmm. That's now the, that, That's one of the things that I find to be so fascinating about the brain. You know, going back to what I was saying earlier about my fascination with the brain, like if your brain is not functioning well, your work will suffer, mm -hmm. you know, your relationships will suffer, your concentration, you know, your functioning in general suffers. So I think that's something very important for people to keep in mind. If your mental health, your brain is suffering, you are not going to be able to be as successful mm -hmm. or you're not going to be doing your best, you know, because you need your brain to be functioning at its best in order for you to um, to function well in every aspect of your life. Mm -hmm. So don't neglect your mental health. Don't ne neglect what is going on for you because um, you will definitely start to see the consequences of that. And the sad thing is, you know, with mental health um, concerns, you can only push so far, mm -hmm. you know. So you will start to say you're struggling, but then you're like, okay, let me keep pushing, let me keep pushing there's only so far you can go. You'll start to see things suffering in your life and mm -hmm. you're just in denial. You know, you're like, ah, it's okay. You know, let me just keep going. I'm fine. I'm fine. Then things really, really go downhill. And it's so sad that by the time things go very downhill, you don't have much control, mm -hmm. you know? So my best advice is to, when you start to see signs that you're not doing well, before you get to a place where you, uh, you really don't have much control, go ahead and seek help around that time. 
go ahead and practice these things that I was talking about, like self-care um, activities, you know, things that you've ne- you noticed you've neglected. Because I'm telling you, that's one of the things I've seen people do. When they start to get stressed, when they start to struggle uh, with their mental health, they neglect these things that used to make them um, happy, these things that used to make them just feel like themselves. Mm-hmm. Start doing those things. You know, seek out people who you feel comfortable talking to. Start practicing there. Maybe by doing that, it'll help you feel like, you know what? I could talk to a therapist because Mm -hmm. I feel like talking to someone really is helping me. So maybe I could talk to a therapist. The other thing is when you, when you, if you're nervous about talking to your therapist, the first meeting you have with them, usually that's the, the meeting where you can set the tone. So you can tell your therapist, you know, these are the fears that I have. These are the concerns that I have. These are the qualities I like to see in someone that would make me feel comfortable talking to them. So I just want to tell you because I feel like by you knowing that, you know, you get to kind of know what works for me. So I, I feel like that's one thing people feel like they can't tell a therapist. It's actually very helpful when you're open with a therapist about what you prefer, mm-hmm. because then they're able to tailor therapy to fit what you just shared with them. And if they're not able to do that, they can help you find someone who can, because maybe they might know another therapist who fits those preferences or have those qualities. So be open, you know, about these things that you want to see in your therapist or these fears that you have so that they can help you feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. So that's another advice. Um, so just to summarize, don't avoid, you know, the concerns that you're seeing, your mental health concerns. Even if it's just little, don't ignore the signs, Mm -hmm. you know, acknowledge them and then start to ask yourself, what can I do about this? Like, what are the areas where I have control? Can I do some self-care things that will help? And if they don't work, what's the next step? Mm -hmm. Is there someone I can talk to? You know, and then another thing is, um, um, and and I touched on this a little bit before, when people um, actually invite you to talk about how you're doing, they ask you, how are you doing? You know, people have this tendency of just saying, I'm good. I'm okay. You know, we do that a lot. So if you're in a position where you can just say, you know, I'm doing all right, but, you know, I'm kind of stressed. I've been stressed lately. Mm -hmm. And someone is willing to hear you out. Go ahead and practice doing that. I think that's one of the things we struggle so much as Africans. You know, we just feel like it's so automatic. We don't even think about it. We just say, I'm good. I'm okay. Yeah. When really you're not. And there's someone who would actually be willing to hear you out. And you never know. By you even just opening up about not doing well, it can actually just make you feel so much better that day. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's another thing. Practice, you know, sharing with people who, who are asking you how you're doing, like, just say the truth. You don't have to unload about everything. Just say, you know, I've actually been kind of stressed lately. Um, but for the most part, I, I feel like I'm managing okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much for the time. Thank you very much for coming on here and talking. So thank you for everything. And yeah, I am, you know, grateful for this discussion. And uh, I'm happy to actually see how far you've come and where you are right now and making, you know, and all the changes that you're doing. In your own little corner of the world, and you know, I hope that we can have, I hope we can get more Africans uh, into this profession as well, so that uh, you know, this is something that is very important in our community and also in society as a whole. And hopefully, that um, you know, we can all, um, you know, we can all help each other, so to speak, and you know, society will become better. Thank you again, and uh, thank you for your time. I really appreciate that. You're most welcome. And thank you for having me um, on your podcast. It's such a, an honor 
um, it's so nice to also reconnect with you. You know, uh, we met eight years ago. Oh yeah, that's you cool. know, so it's <laughs> a long, long time ago. So you know, you, you, you. I think we met my first semester um, when I was pursuing my master's. So it's it's also great to reconnect with you and for me to just reflect on where I started and now at the <laughs> when I'm on the other side. You know, yeah. now we're having this conversation. So it's just an honor, you know, to connect with you again. It's an honor to be, uh, you know, a part of this conversation. This is, uh, these are issues that are very passionate. I'm very passionate about. Mm-hmm. So I just feel, I also feel really good having the opportunity to just talk with you about this. So thank you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Let me know what you think. And thank you once again for joining us at the Careful. Until next time, see you at the Careful.